Why did Kyrie become persona non grata in Boston? Did he deserve to get thrown under the bus? Will Kemba change the culture and help turn around the Celtics ship? The only question left is, say it with me, you in? Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to B-Ball Breakdown. Today, I'm honored to have Cedric Maxwell on the show, who was a finals MVP in 1981, two-time world champion, and the radio voice of the Celtics for Sports Hub. Cedric, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you for having me, sir. Well, a pleasure to talk to you. So I think we don't have to waste too much time to get right into this and talk a little bit about this huge deal. They're bringing in Kemba Walker. Kyrie is going away. And let's just jump right into the Kyrie situation because there's a lot of stories coming out recently. And I thought that looking back on it now, was there a moment during last season when you realized that Kyrie Irving was going to leave? No, no, I didn't. I did not know, you know, why you would leave a great situation like you had in Boston, great team organization. Uh, but he was uh, destined to go home and, and play in, in Brooklyn. Uh, I don't blame him for making the decision, but I just think that the thing that disappointed people here was he led people on to believe he was coming back. Uh, Kyrie made an announcement saying, if you guys want me back, I'll be glad to come back and sign. And from then on, it was, and then a long way, it was like, you know, I don't own the book, something, and, uh, you know, I'll see you July the 1st. And then it was, then you look back on, now you look at it now, and you see that it was essentially just a lie. It was, um, you know, he had this big uh, production with him, Walking across Brooklyn Bridge, and you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and a video of that and his friends, and you know, you don't that just doesn't happen, you know, in the last moment. It was just something that he had he had put together, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm disappointed that you just don't tell me, well, look, I am going to deal with my free agency, and I'm gonna do it like that. Anything beyond that, you know, I don't owe anything anybody. I think that was great, but when you Fair enough. Well, I'm kind of curious because, you know, I just did a video on how he fit with the Celtics offense. And I also used Isaiah Thomas footage to show how maybe Kemba Walker would fit better. And I'm kind of curious because it did seem like a lot of the really good stuff where they got Isaiah coming off screens and moving across the court into catches to attack the middle. It didn't seem like they ran the same stuff for Kyrie. And I'm wondering if you noticed that as well, if it seemed the same way where the offense had to fundamentally change when he came in. Well, I think that, no, I think that they did a lot of uh, pick and rolls for Kyrie, and that's what he liked. You know, I was getting to a pick and roll situation. When he was at his best in Cleveland, and a lot of pick and rolls uh, going close around, and some did a lot of that. He likes to go to it right, and you set a pick for him. If the guard slides under it, he normally knocks down the jump shot. If the guard comes up, he gets in, you get the switch, meaning he has a big, and he takes him towards the basket. Kyrie maybe maybe was one of the best finishers, finishers I've ever seen going towards the rim uh, with his size. Right. And by the way, I think you, are you familiar with how good Kemba is at finishing as well? <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. Kemba is, Kemba is definitely in that same, that same vein. I think Kyrie's just a little bit better, though, because 
of his size and his ability to use his little hand. He has an amazing left hand. I haven't seen Kemba use the left hand as much. So I think Kyrie has a few more, you know, a few more clubs in his bag. Fair enough. Yeah, and I also think that he's, he's he's more athletic, so it should be an interesting dynamic when they get all those guys in there. Do you think that Kyrie, like, you know, there's a story coming out. Jack McMullen just wrote one, and they're kind of throwing Kyrie under the bus. And do you think that he deserves that? It kind of sounded like, you know, you have some feelings about it and whether or not, you know, did, was it just a typical two years of a guy who he wants to leave, or was there, do you feel like some of this stuff is, is warranted that they're saying it's negative? No, I don't, I don't like it when guys are being thrown under the bus. After they leave, if you're going to be a man about the conversation, you say you talk to him right then and there or talk about it then and there. Everybody kind of whispered behind his back. I think one of the things that happened, and a great example, and you've been in coaching long enough, is sometimes you baby guys a little too much. You know, Kyrie goes to, to an event, something that, you know, security is around him and nobody can come up and talk to him. And this is that like something, Kayla, where you have have, you know, real season ticket fans, real family. So he was, you know, like, no, no, nobody can talk to him. I think it was just too much copy instead of just going, dude, he's a regular guy. I've been there with Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Johnson, and down the line. And none of these people got that kind of attention. So I understand it's a new era, but uh, I still felt there was a little bit too much uh, babying for Kyrie. Uh, interesting, because my next question was, how did Brad Stevens handle this struggle? And and was this struggle real? People always, I'm sure, embellish in the press. And we, we saw, you know, Morris being upset at some point on an interview about how, how tough it was in the locker room. So how did you feel, you know, Brad Stevens, who's got that reputation of being a guy that can really communicate well and doesn't get completely, you know, he's not like Bill Fitch. So uh, he, he's, he can he can talk to guys. Did you feel like that w- went as well as it could have and it simply was simply around uh no. Peg into a square hole? No, I, I don't think it, it went as well. I think it was a learning curve for Brad last year. I said in the beginning of the year, Brad Stevens is going to have his toughest job. And one, because you had young, dynamic players who had played well the year before. Uh, you know, Terry Rozier had played well. Uh, Brown and Tatum had played well. And they were a basket away from getting to the finals. So mm-hmm. now you had to incorporate Gordon Hayward coming back, and you had to put Kyrie Irving back in the lineup, and he's ball dominant. So all the shots and all the fundamental things that went on had to change from one year to the other. And I just don't think that Brad was, as much as I think he was prepared for it, which I think he's always prepared, I think part of it he really wasn't. I think it was overwhelming at, at, at times, you know, dealing with those kind of situations. Right. Now, is, and not to, like, get into details, but, like, what can you give me an example of what made Kyrie, a, like, a quote-unquote different person in the locker room and people talk about him being a strange guy? Do you have an example of what that means? Uh, I just think just in general. I talked to one of the assistant coaches. He was on the elevator with Kyrie in Chicago. They go up 35 stories, 35 flights, and Kyrie never says a word to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's just him and Kyrie on. I mean, a hello, or hi, a coach, or whatever would be good, but it was just like it was more diva like. And at times, and I heard this way in Cleveland, he would go for weeks at a time without speaking to his teammates. 
Mm-hmm. Me in particular, I've always been really with almost every self player that has come here, from Pierce to Garnett and down the line since I've been back as a broadcaster. Kyrie said, I remember Kyrie, two years, Kyrie actually said one thing to me, and he got on the bus and scared me. He was like, <laughs> hey, Max, you, you remember when you and I were, I was first coming to the league and I was in Miami, and you and I did a, uh, a fundraiser together, and you and I were talking noise. I was like, yeah, I remember that. That was in the conversation. That was the last thing Kyrie said to me other than hello. Wow. So with okay. that, those are those are just examples of Kyrie being somewhat of an introvert. And it's just fun. something about sometimes the great players are different. And that's what happened in his case. Well, you know, that story reminds me a little bit of the taxi cab story you told when you're trying to meet Pearson Walker out of the club on your podcast. <laughs> Uh, so I want to make sure everyone else knows about that too. I mean, like on your pod, when you're going off like that, like is there an endless stream of stories that you're going to be able to tell from your experiences? Oh yeah, there, there are stories, the fun stories that I've had that I have not told. Uh, just little things that happened to me as a player. As a, those are many stories over the years with dealing with players like Larry Bird. Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. You know, Robert Parrish was one of my favorite, was one of my best friends. Everybody wanted to know, hey, how did he get the nickname Chief? Well, I gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Gave it to him because I was looking at that movie, One Throw Cuckoo's Nest, Jack Nicholson, many years ago, and they had the big Indian guy in there, Chief, who didn't say that, didn't, didn't only say two words other than juicy fruit. And he had that <laughs> deep voice, and he reminded me of Robert Parrish. That's how Robert Parrish got the nickname Chief. Well, let's not forget, Chief also did dunk it a little in the movie a little bit like Paris did, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the big Chief. He was, you know, Jack Nicholson said, Chief, you're some of a gun, you fuck him, you fool him. <laughs> so yeah. it, was, it was pretty good to think about that. And then also the fact that, you know, Jack Nicholson was such a, a thorn in our side when we, uh, we all talked to him when the Celtics and the Lakers were going back and forth against each other during the 80s. And back in the 80s, as we watched those Celtics and Lakers teams go at it, we didn't have to worry about things like building a beautiful website. But nowadays, your site has got to look and function perfectly. And that's where Wix comes in. Join the over 140 million people who have used Wix to design their site. And you'll be choosing from over 500 stunning templates or build one from scratch. Everything is automatically optimized for any device. They have built-in SEO tools so you'll get found easily. And you don't need to know any code to make it function however you like. You can start and publish a website for free. And right now, you can get 10% off their premium services if you go to Wix.com slash podcast. That's W-I-X dot slash podcast. So don't miss out on building your next website. It's an incredibly easy process. The interface can walk you through it step by step. And you'll have something to be proud of up and running in no time. Click on Wix.com slash podcast and push the limits of web design with Wix. And now I want to bring on the Hornets beat writer for The Athletic, Rod Boone, to discuss Kemba Walker and what he will mean to the Celtics. So, Rod, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Anytime. Well, let's break it right into it because, obviously, you have a sort of a big loss for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Kemba Walker is taking his talents to Boston. And I kind of wanted to get a sense of how surprising that decision was for your side. It was kind of surprising because if you look at what both sides have been saying, essentially since like April and even going back to maybe like training camp, 
they want to kind of have a, a, I guess, a marriage kind of still stay together, so to speak. I mean, Kemba talked about wanting to still be here, talked about taking less than a Supermax contract to actually stay here and less money to actually, like, stay where he wanted to stay. The Hornets wanted to keep him because they felt he's a good player, obviously, to build around. He's a you know core guy. He spent eight seasons in Charlotte, and you don't want to just give away a player who you groom and turn to a star. I mean, he had his best career. He has the best year of his career last year. You know, third straight All Star game at the start in Charlotte, third team All, All NBA. So I mean, to see him leave Charlotte was a surprise because I thought even though they wouldn't give him the max money, they would find a little bit of a common ground there. So to see him leave and go to Boston of all places is kind of surprising to me. So does this all center around money and, and not getting the max contract? I think that's part of it. Um, you know, nobody will talk about that, of course, because it's all about money and Kemba took less per se to go to Boston. At the end of the day, I think Kemba really wanted to win too. You know, winning is a big thing for these players. She's going to be 29. She's almost 30 years old. And it's kind of things where you want to actually go ahead and build your career knowing that you have maybe three or four years of core just stuff just left. So for me, from my perspective, that was part of the, the, the issue there was he wanted to make sure he can go somewhere else where he can actually win and get things done. And, and hey, in Boston, we'll see if it happens for him. For sure. I just dropped a video actually comparing the difference between Kyrie and Kemba. I'm kind of curious from your point of view, what do you feel about that? And how do you think that Kemba might do differently or affect the Celtics differently than Kyrie did? I think they're similar, but I think the biggest thing with Kemba is he's, although he's a ball dominant guard as well, he also is a winner, man. I mean, players like playing with the guy. He makes people around him better. Kyrie kind of does too, but in a different way. And with Kemba, you know, as you saw this past season, he can go out there and drop 50 points for you, man, and, and also get you 10 assists or whatever, get double-double. So they're kind of similar. You know, they both aren't great defensively either. But Kemba is more of a natural, quiet leader out there. I think for Boston, that's probably good for them after what happened with Kyrie's past season. Interestingly enough. Okay, so and let's talk a little bit about um, durability because certainly in the last, you know, four years, he's played almost every game. Um, you know, even going back further around, are we have we ever been concerned about Kemba and his health? Not really. I mean, the last couple of off seasons, he's actually not had any procedures done, no no cleanouts. So he's been actually been pretty good in that regard. So health wise, he's actually probably as healthy as he's been the last couple of years here. So obviously, with Kyrie came up with knee injury this previous season, but for Kemba, he's good health wise, man. So if you're a Celtics fan feel good because you have a guy coming in on a big contract and he, you feel he kind of will be around. He doesn't miss games. He played, I think, every single game last year, this past season. So he's definitely durable, man. He's not a player who can go out there and get injured easily. Um, one thing I noticed is that, like, they both have sort of similar assist numbers. And I'm curious if you feel like um, because of maybe the talent around him, do you think that that depressed the average assist per game numbers for him through all those last eight years? Most, most definitely, because you know what? At times, it was just a one-man show out there. You know, he can break the defense down, get to the basket, and, you know, finish. And that's one of the parts of his game. Actually, he's got stronger over the last couple of years. Also, shooting three-pointers. He's really good at that, catch and shoot, you know, off pick and rolls and whatnot. So, yes, I think that's definitely a part of it because the talent around him, lack of a better way of putting it, is part of the reason why he left. 
you know, he had to do it all himself for the last couple of years. And at some point, as a player, while you enjoy being the man, while you enjoy it being your team, when it comes down to these games against these big powerhouse teams, you can't win. If you aren't having a 30-point night, it's hard to be able to win in the NBA with that kind of mentality. So I definitely think the talent around him played a part as the system numbers kind of going down. For sure. I, I agree. I, what I spotlighted a little bit in the beginning of the video is how difficult some of those shots were that he had to make. And he made them. He was an elite pick and roll player. But man, uh, you're right. They they, uh, they really didn't help him out as much uh, with uh, the other talent around him. So I, I get it. I mean, I think eight years is definitely a fair amount of time to give a chance to the team to do something. And I mean, is there anything you can point to that would indicate like just why they couldn't get a better team around him? Contracts, man, they have three or four bad contracts. And I say bad contracts, not the players are bad themselves, but the numbers don't equate to basically the talent level in some regard. You know, you have MKG, he was Kemba's actually best friend, making $13 million this year. He's coming off his worst year of his career. That's a lot of money for a guy who's just kind of going on the downside of his career right now. You have Marvin Williams, who's a really good guy, a good player, $15 million a year for him. There's Matt Biambo, another good guy, a decent player, nice nice center, but $17 million for him is a lot of money. And we have Nick Batum, who's $25 million a year as well. That's also an issue. So those contracts are part of the reason they couldn't get a team around him. They don't come off the books. Three of them come off this year. So this, I mean, this, this next coming season, this offseason, Batum has two more years left on his contract, so Talking about a good $70 million, man, with a couple, about four contracts there that's actually just handicapping it right now. So those contracts are the reason the Hornets couldn't put a better team around the last couple of years. Yeah, that's those are all really good points. It's too bad that, you know, somehow, you know, teams get pressured into doing these things. And the next thing you know, they, yeah, that you have four or five of these guys and exactly. you can't sign anybody else. Um, now, let's delve into the locker room a little bit because I haven't spent, you know, I haven't spent any time sort of around Kemba, but my impression of him, even just from watching him on the TV, is that there is this, he emanates sort of positivity and he, and he attracts, uh, you know, people want to be around him and be with him. I mean, is that a fair statement to say? It definitely is, man. He's one of the guys who people want to play with because he's not selfish at all. He's a quiet superstar. He's one of those guys who... You know, he doesn't, it's not all about himself. Even though this was his team, this was his city, this was his franchise, and people came to see him and buy his jersey, his, his memorabilia, it, it, at some point, as you say, you know, it just becomes too much of a burden for the guy. So I think at the end of the day, he really still wanted to be in Charlotte. He loved the city. He, he loved the fans. He loved Michael Jordan being the owner. But I think he knew from his perspective order to be able to get to that next level and win soon, he had to go. So it was a tough decision on his part, but I guess what he he had to make. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was a good decision. I think it's going to really help the Celtics as well. I'm excited to see how that's going to play out in the court. And so um, I guess what does that mean for the Hornets at this point now that they don't have Kemba and I don't, they didn't sign anybody? You know, so what's going to happen? Well, right now they're still waiting for this this sign and trade with um, you know Terry Rozier to go through essentially, right. and that's the next replacement for Kemba per se. And right now it's just Miss Kupchak is is, is probably to make at least one more move because again with those contracts on the books, they really can't do much. And you don't want to obviously break it all the way down. I'm sure you want to break it down, but breaking it all the way down to me and Charlotte not going to work because the fans are already a little bit annoyed right now. Mm -hmm. They weren't really coming to the games anyway, even with Kemba. 
guy with no camera, no superstar to actually come out and watch, to break it all the way down and just come out and quote-unquote tank, to me, it's not a good move. You should probably, obviously, play the right cards financially. Don't add any more salary that you have to tie up for your cap for two or three or four years down the line. That, to me, is is the biggest thing is, is was Miss Kupchak do a short-term Band-Aid or will he go for a long-term fix here? And right now, looks to be a long-term fix. And what the way it seems, that's actually what he does next couple of weeks here. For sure. Well, I can't thank you for joining us today, Rod, and breaking it down for us. And um, we'll have to check in later on and see what is going on with the Hornets. But uh, thank you again for coming here. And don't forget, sports fans, that B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Rod? I'm in. I'm in, man. Ha, 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 ha.